Blog Talk Radio. Thursday afternoon, and you know what that means. It's time for Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Friends of Maryland Standardbreds. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And before we get into the action today, kind of a uh, somber uh, start to the show, Mike, uh, with the fire at the South Florida Training Center. Yeah, certainly. We've got a great show on tap for you today. We're going to have Anthony Napolitano join us at about 110, one of the uh, hottest drivers at the Meadowlands. I believe he is the leading driver by just a couple of wins. Gary Seibel is going to be joining us towards the bottom of the hour. Of course, he's the simulcast host and track announcer at Cal Expo, the voice of the Hamiltonian on Nationwide TV for many years. And, of course, we're going to uh, talk about the Levy. It's our contest, uh, our new uh, website, Post Time with Mike and Mike. We'll talk uh, about that. And, of course, we'll have our drawing. That's going to be towards the bottom of the hour as well as Frank Drucker, uh, the publicity director from Yonkers uh, will be with us to talk a little bit about the George Morton Levy series and the, the matchmaker series set to start this weekend at Yonkers. But first, uh, we're going to bring in HarnessLink.com Steve Wolf. Steve has been uh, following the situation uh, down in Florida. Of course, the tragic barn flyer that uh, claimed a loss of horse life, and and Steve's with us right now. Steve, what's the uh, what's the latest? Give us the latest on the situation down there. Well, now. Reed uh, Associates and Hospital in uh, Lockahatchee, Florida, where the uh, 11 horses that were rescued are. And uh, I have positive news. Uh, one of the horses that was in the worst condition, he's actually standing up. He's stomping his feet. Um, you know, he, of course, he's got severe burns and over his body, and, and uh, but he's looking better. And that, that's the positive news. Okay, that's tan- that's fantastic, Steve. And of course, they're uh, giving treatment down there. Um, we do have a GoFundMe page set up. I'll bring that up in just a moment. Um, what uh, have you had a chance to uh, talk to uh, Roman Lopez or uh, or Tommy Houghton? No, I have not. And uh, Roman had posted something on Facebook saying for reaching out to him and all uh, wishes and everything else. But it's a tough time. 
a chance to be with you know, I know him and Tom, Sam Stathis are going through a lot right now. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, well, listen, we've got a GoFundMe page set up. You could access that uh, by uh, logging onto our website, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Uh, it is a GoFundMe, and it's just done tremendous so far. It's great to see the harness racing industry come together in a situation like this. Uh, right now, the total is at uh, just around $30,000. Uh, the proceeds uh, will be going to uh, Roman Lopez and Tommy Houghton. Steve, anything else you could tell us right now at, the, at, uh, at this point in time? No, um, it's just can to get the bond and that is a blessing. All right, well, it looked like Steve Wolf was having some technical difficulties down there. It looked like he was in a bad sell situation, Mike. But uh, it uh, sounded like that uh, a couple of the horses are doing fantastic that actually were rescued. Of course, a lot of them uh, suffer from smoke inhalation, Mike, and uh, it sounded like there was good news on that end. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I'll tell you, Mike, uh, I, just, I, I happened to be driving home uh, from Buffalo on Tuesday night when the news of this fire first broke, and uh, – you know, I, I immediately called you and said, hey, you know, we, we've got to do something to help. And I'm so glad that the harness racing uh, community has helped us help uh, Roman Lopez and Tommy Houghton. It's very much appreciated. Um, we received a message from Billy Houghton earlier today, uh, you know, uh, thanking us. And I actually just got an email um, right now from Billy. I'm going to read. Uh, it says, thanks for all your support. We certainly appreciate your reply and have now put the pieces together, basically trying to figure out who we were. And uh, he said, thank you for all the efforts. And I can't express how much this means to all of us involved. So you know that they uh, are just eternally grateful down there. And um, I listened to the press conference yesterday and Sam Stathis mentioned that he would, uh, he's going to leave the barn there. You know, he wants to teach future generations exactly what happened so this doesn't happen again. Okay, I think yeah. we lost Mike Bogut's there for well, a second. Well, no, I, Mike, I'm here. Steve, Steve's trying to call back. He uh, he had the uh, the bad sell. We're gonna we're gonna try to bring him back on because I know he was breaking up for uh, a little bit of that. We'll uh, see if Steve's in a little bit of a bear, uh, better sell situation. Steve, are you, are you with us? I'm here. I'm here. Okay, you're okay. sounding you're sounding a lot better. I know you were breaking up during a lot of that, but uh, uh, once again, let's let's kind of backtrack for those of uh, you that may have missed it that you might have been breaking up again. What's the uh, what's the latest with the situation down there, Steve? You're with us. All right. Well, we're going to have to try to bring Steve back on maybe a little bit later on towards the end of the show, Mike. But uh, once again, uh, we've got the GoFundMe page, Mike. And uh, before we go to break, you want to uh, give us one more time what, uh, how they could access the GoFundMe page? Yeah, you can access it one of two ways. You can go to posttimewithmikeandmike.com. That's our new website. Or you can go to gofundme.com backslash South FL Training CTR for center. And uh, that's GoFundMe.com backslash South FL Training Center CTR. And uh, that's how you can donate to the GoFundMe page. I think Steve Wolf's back. We're going to try it one more time here. All right. Let's Steve, bring back Steve. Okay. I'm here. I'm hoping this works. I'm, I'm <laughs> in the boondocks of uh, uh, Central Florida. But, no, the, um, Sam's going to uh, probably do a monument in that barn area. He's going to build a new barn. Um, he's going to help uh, Roman and, and Tommy Houghton, just as you guys have done great with the with me. 
page that's just super, and everyone that's been giving the money has been superb. I mean, it's it's, it's great to see people when they're in despair to be able to get help by their fellow horsemen and women. Yeah, no question about it. Now, Steve, for for people that may have missed it, uh, you mentioned uh, right at the beginning of the interview before you started cutting out about the sat- the status of some of the horse survivors. Can you talk about that once again? Uh, the eleven horses, uh, two of them are in critical condition. I'm hoping that hey, I've actually seen them. I'm here with them right now, and those two will be much much better. It's still going to be days and days until. Find out, you know, if they've made it over the edge and, and they're going to survive. And the other horses, yes, they've got burns, they have damaged lungs from smoke inhalation, but they're all going to be okay. So, you know, there's two of them that we're hoping for and uh, to get uh, much better, and uh, the other nine are going to make it, and that's that's real good news. All right, that that's terrific. Well, Steve, listen, we really appreciate you joining us, and uh, we'll uh, certainly follow this situation. And uh, you know, the GoFundMe page is doing great, and of course, it's uh, you know only going to uh, get better, and, and more money is going to get in there as time goes on. So we certainly appreciate everything you've done down there, and uh, we'll certainly be following it. Okay, and thanks, guys. You guys have been great through all this. All right, no problem. Thank you very much, Steve. Okay. All right, that was Steve Wolf once again. He, he sounded a little bit better, but you know, as well as I do, Mike, you get out in the middle of nowhere down in Florida, and cell service can be uh, tough to come by. It's it's uh, it's called technology, my friend. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so it's good to hear that the uh, other nine horses are doing so well, and of course, the two that are in critical condition. Uh, you know, we just continue to hope and pray that their uh, condition gets better. Well, Mike, uh, coming up next is uh, Anthony Napolitano. He'll be joining us here in just a couple of minutes. We're going to talk to Anthony about uh, his recent success at the Meadowlands and where he's going to go next from here. I know Pocado's opening up soon, so it'll be interesting to hear what he has to say coming up after the backside of this commercial. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. To post time with Mike and Mike, Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich, and you just heard from our sponsor, New Vocations. And Mike, I'll tell you, I've been playing, or well, I'm going to start playing in the Hannah Handicapping Contest that's coming up um, real soon. It actually starts this week with the uh, Levy Series, and I am playing for New Vocations. It is a uh, contest that um, the Hannah program has done a great job of doing. Uh, they contribute the prize money to charity. And I'm lucky enough to play for new vocations this year. 
Yeah, certainly. They do such great uh, work over there. Winnie Nemeth uh, does a fantastic job with New Vocations. Uh, you could visit them on their website at newvocations.org. You can like them on Facebook, follow them on Twitter. And, uh, you know, listen, it's very important. We talk about this every week. It's very important for the harness racing community to take care of their uh equine athletes after the racing days are done and that's where new vocations comes in and mike carter you'll be battling with some of the great handicappers in that hannah contest and once again when does that start that starts on friday actually with the matchmaker uh so it's it basically it's just every grand circuit race i played last year uh for the central virginia horse rescue and uh we did really well to start off with and things kind of faded towards the end of the season but uh we're playing this time for uh new vocations and it's going to be a lot of fun yeah, if you look down uh, up and down uh, the handicapper look there, it looks like you're in for uh, quite a bit of competition there, but some great charities being played for. And, uh, horse, uh, of course, we hope uh, Mike Carter can be victorious for post-time with Mike and Mike and at uh, New Vocations. Definitely. Well, Mike, um, coming up here in just a couple of minutes, uh, we're going to uh, talk to Anthony Napolitano. And uh, while I get the – but while we're waiting on Anthony to show up, uh, let's go ahead and draw the seven names. Uh, let me get uh, Periscope pulled up, and uh, you want to kind of explain how the contest works? Absolutely, Mike. Of course, this is the George Morton Levy Challenge. It kind of went hand-in-hand with uh, the opening of our website. Uh, and if you haven't had a chance to visit it, do so, www.posttimewithmikeandmike.com. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to draw seven names. We're going to do it on Periscope, by the way. So uh, if you have that app, you could uh, log in on Periscope now and actually watch the draw. Uh, Mike Card will be doing it. We've got uh, seven names we're going to draw. We were going to draw eight, but uh, at least for the first leg of the uh, – George Martin Levy series. Uh, there's fields of seven. So we're going to draw seven names today. Now we're going to assign a division of the race. Uh, and uh, there's, I believe there's uh, six divisions. So we're going to decide, or uh, rather we're going to d- decide a division. Um, we're going to draw that. That's going to be a blind draw as well. We're going to draw a name uh, and a horse uh, in the designated race. And that is going to be your horse. So we're going to draw a name. We're going to draw the race. We're going to draw the name, and uh, we're going to draw your horse and post position. And if you win that particular race, you're going to go on to the final. And if you could win the final, the grand prize is a set of Yannick Gingras colors, helmet included. Fantastic, fantastic prize. Um, we're, pr- we're going to have five people make it uh, to the finals. And if nobody wins the final, Mike, uh, everybody's going to get consolation prizes. Everybody's going to get consolation prizes regardless, but uh, all five will uh, have at least a consolation prize. So if you make the final, uh, you're going to win something. And uh, it's a terrific contest. And, of course, uh, it's the start of the Grand Circuit as well, Mike. So some great racing. Uh, I mean, spring's in the air, warm weather. And without further ado, I, uh, are you ready? Yeah, we're ready. Uh, it looks like uh, the Breeders' Crown and a couple of others are taking a look on Periscope. All they see right now is my pretty face uh, at this point. But uh, <laughs> oh, I want to show everybody – yeah. I want to show everybody real quick that the, uh, the, the basket that they're in, and we're going to draw seven names out. All right, I'm going to write this down, Mike, so don't go too fast, and uh, here we go. All right, the first name being drawn, now this is not post-position order, just so everybody's aware. It's Whitney Nesimos. Whitney Nesimos is going to be one of the seven. I'm going to draw another one out here. Kathy Sizer is our second lucky person. Kathy, congratulations to you. 
had quite a few entries, by the way. Yeah, we had 45 entries, and so we were pretty excited about that. And one just kind of fell out, and just so everybody sees it, it's blank. So, so there was oh a couple of uh, I was I was cutting the paper up. Sorry. All right. <laughs> this next name is Jean Paul Levy. Jean Paul Levy is entered in our contest. That's name number three. All right, let's pull out the fourth name here, and it is, if I can get it open, Janelle Skirbik. Janelle Skirbik is a winner as well. All right, let's see. The next person up is Randy Lee. Randy Lee is our fifth uh, contestant. Two more to go. Randy. We have two more names that we're going to pull out of the hat here. Okay. The next one is Rick Olson. Rick Olson is number six. And the last name we're going to pull is Randy Williams. So Randy Williams, uh, Rick Olson, Randy Lee, Janelle Skirbik, John Paul Levy, Kathy Sizer, and Whitney Nisimos. Congratulations. You are the seven people that uh, we have drawn out. And we are going to draw the uh, division and post positions uh, coming up at around uh, 1.30 just before Frank's record comes on. So we're going to close out the uh, Periscope now. And so uh, right. congratulations to those guys. Now, once again, if you did not win... Uh, this is going to be going on for four more weeks uh, and into the finals. So you still have four more chances to win. So make sure that you enter and you have to enter again. Even if you enter today, you have to re-enter. So you have a week until next Thursday. So you have plenty of time to do that. Just go to post uh, www.posttimewithmikeandmike.com and uh, go to the contest information page. And all you have to do is put your name and email on. It's very simple. And uh, we'll draw your name. So we've got seven uh, lucky uh, contestants, and it's going to be fun. And wise, uh, right around one thirty, right before uh, Yonkers Director of Publicity Frank Drucker comes on, we're going to draw the uh, the division and the post positions. And I'll tell you what, I had a chance to look at the, some of the levy races, and it's one of the most exciting times. It's a great way to start the Grand Circuit, Mike, because there's nothing better than watching a good hard knocking uh, free for all pacer out there getting it done. They, you know, and uh, they've got some fantastic horses in that series. It's going to be a great, great series to follow the next five weeks. Yeah, definitely. Mike, we're going to take a short, very short commercial break. When we come back, we're actually going to dive into the Levy and matchmaker series uh, that is coming up at Yonkers. Make sure to stay tuned at post time with Mike and Mike. We'll be right back. This is Mike Bozich with Harness Racing's newest podcast, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Our goal is to positively promote the sport of harness racing. Every horse has a story to tell, whether a claimer or a stakes horse, and we plan on telling those stories here on this program. If you would like to advertise on Post Time with Mike and Mike, send us an email at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com for more information. Also, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at PT Mike and Mike One. Listen to a brand new broadcast every Thursday at 1 p.m. Any prior episodes can be listened on demand as well. 
Log on to www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash PT Mike and Mike. Once again, that's www.blogtalkradio.com. back to post time with Mike and Mike, Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich. And uh, Mike, coming up this end is the Levy and Matchmaker Series. It's the kickoff legs, so to speak, and uh, it starts on Friday at Yonkers. Yeah, the uh, Blue Chip Matchmaker starts Friday. The Levy starts on Saturday. Uh, some uh, great divisions there. And uh, we're going to get into the uh, Matchmaker a little bit too. But uh, just talk, taking a look at some of these horses uh, in the George Morton Levy, uh, it all starts in a race four. Now, these purses are going for $50,000 in the preliminary the uh, prelimi- preliminary legs. And uh, in the first division, which is the fourth race, uh, you've got a, a pretty good matchup here between Take It Back Terry and Scott Rock, so it appears on paper. Take It Back Terry is only about $56,000 away from being uh, Harness Racing's newest millionaire. Uh, he's uh, had a fantastic uh, year last year as a six-year-old, banking $470,000, 13 wins of 29 starts. Uh, one of a long line of Ron Burke contenders. Ron Burke always making his presence felt in the George Morton Levy. And uh, this horse had a tightener last time, finished third. The rock-eyed optimist who at the Meadowlands, Mike, has just been on fire as of late. And Scott Rock, starting from post position number four, is right alongside. Has uh, been very formful to start the 2016 campaign. He's got two wins of three at Pompano Park, including a three-length win last time at 149. So on paper, anyway, it looks like Take It Back Terry and Scott Rock should own uh, this uh, first division, Mike. Yeah, the first division uh, was, you know, it, it was very tough for me. And, you know, we're playing, I'm playing in the contest for uh, new vocations. And, you know, you, the question is always, do you go with the chalky to start out with? Do you go as somebody else? And I went with Scott Rocks. I think Scott Rocks can transfer the form for trainer Chris Oaks from Pompano Park. He really raced well um, against some decent horses uh, down south. But Take It Back Terry came back well uh, in the open handicap on uh, March the 5th, he was third only missing three quarters of a length to Rock Eyed Optimist and DeVuto Hanover, who are just very, very, very good horses. Uh, so I think Scott Rocks is, uh, is definitely going to be the play here. I also had to look towards the outside to Matt American, who uh, was no slouch from post six and 151 and three uh, last time out. So you better watch out for the six Matt American in that race as well. All right, so you're basically so you're releasing a long shot there, Matt American. Yeah, they're coming off that big win at uh, at Yonkers, uh, and you're getting Tim Tetrick to boot, uh, driving for the first time for trainer Andrew Harris, who's just been uh, on fire, uh, Mike, especially at the Meadowlands and everywhere he's raced. Justin Horowitz is on TVG talking, giving a stat, and I can't remember exactly what the stat is, but the win percentage for Andrew Harris of the last two or three weeks has just been out of this world. So anything that he sends to the racetrack right now, I think you certainly have to keep. Uh, your eye on but right now mike uh we're joined here by anthony napolitano of course anthony as the leading driver at the meadowlands uh just having a fantastic year fantastic start to 2016 anthony on the show right now anthony how are you buddy how are you guys doing thanks for having me no problem buddy doing fantastic well i would have to say that the transition to the meadowlands has been a good one huh yes um i've been fortunate um it was definitely better than I was expecting, and um, 
you know, it forced me to make a tough decision this weekend, uh, picking up Poconos on Saturday and dropping the metal in. Um, but with the Levy, uh, for the next six weeks at the Yonkers, I think it would give me a chance to pan things out a little better and see, uh, what kind of start I get off at Poconos and then it'll, it'll let me make a decision that way. So I went with Saturday at Poconos for now just to, see how it's going to work out and then we'll go from there now now anthony uh what how did you get started in racing you you've had a pretty successful career so far uh does it run in the family it seems um yes yes my grandpa had got my dad into it my my dad got my father into it and my other brother uh um dominic and me um were in it at the time. Uh, my other brother decided to sell cars instead, and uh, I kind of followed the footsteps of Georgie and learned a lot from my dad and George. And uh, when it was time to make a decision out of school, um, you know, I used to I used to cry sick all the time and want to go to the barn with my dad. And and uh, you know, of course, he 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 uh, took me there, and I I just picked up a lot. And um, it, it's hard to uh, you know, trace that experience in for something that you're going into with cold feet. So um, right out of high school, I wanted to start making money right away. And instead of going further in school and uh, trying to look for another job, um, I just went right for the horses and, uh, you know, had uh, success from there. Visiting with Anthony Napolitano, the leading driver at the present at the Meadowlands. Anthony, uh, you mentioned family, and uh, obviously you've been driving against uh, your older brother, George Napolitano Jr., over at uh, Pocono and uh, a little bit at uh, Harris, Philadelphia, not too much. How is it like out there on the racetrack driving against your older brother? Is there, is the, do the competitive juices flow just a little bit more than uh, versus mm. against driving against somebody else? Um. Yes, it's it's very hard because uh you know, being family we're very competitive and it's 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 uh some nights we're like magnets. Um you know, uh I try to leave with one and he's leaving too and one of us is forced to, you know, give in and in order to um start a commute um a dispute uh, against each other and whatever it is we leave it on the track and um, it seems to be working, but, um, you know, he, he's very hard to beat. He's very good at what he does. And me, as long as, as well as everybody else in the industry is kind of in his shadow. So, uh, all we could do most of the time is follow him and, and, uh, you know, hope to beat him at the wire, which is very difficult. Um, I take the same talent that I have, uh, against him at Poconos and I bring it to the Meadowlands this year and, um, I wound up doing a lot better than I thought, and that shows how tough he really is to beat. Um, um, you know, because I, I, I put myself in the same category as a lot of drivers uh, in horse racing today, and um, you know, uh, it it showed at the Meadowlands uh, over the winter. So I was I was very happy with that, and uh, I didn't really want to go back and put myself in that same position, having to battle with him every night. Um, but uh, I'm going to give it one more try and, and see how it works out because I am very close to Poconos and I did buy a house according 
to racing at at Poconos. So it's going to be a tough decision to make if I'm going to be a better driver at the Meadowlands. Then uh, I'm going to have to uh, make some arrangements. All right, Anthony Napolitano joining us. Anthony, listen, we certainly appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. Uh, Real quick, give us uh, what uh, we could look forward to in 2016. Um, uh, I'm going to try to do my best and uh, be 110% each time I go onto the track, and hopefully I can make all the right moves this year and really really, uh, um, show show, uh, a, a talent that nobody thought I had. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure dry, uh, watching you drive out there at the Meadowlands, doing such a great job. Keep up the good work, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me. Talk to you soon. All right. That was Anthony Napolitano, the leading driver at the Meadowlands, certainly doing a fantastic job. I think he's up on the driver's standings by one win, so it'll be interesting to see how that situation pans out, especially uh, with Pocono opening up and some decisions coming up for Anthony Napolitano. Mike, are we going to take a short break, or are we rolling right away with this thing? Yeah, let's just keep rolling. Uh, We have Frank Drucker uh, coming up next, and Frank is at uh, Yonkers Racetrack, and he's going to talk to us about the Levy Matchmaker Series. Frank, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Happy St. Patrick's Day, gentlemen. Same to you, sir. Well, uh, Frank, uh, you guys have a big weekend coming up. Obviously, the Levy and the Blue Chip Matchmaker start this weekend. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about, uh, about what's going on out there. Well, it's a very big time for us. It's it's uh, it does really kick off our stake schedule. No disrespect to the series for the younger horses that are going on now, but we get we get the big girls in the in the blue chip matchmaker for the uh, with the best pacing mares in training, and of course that begins tomorrow night with three divisions. All divisions in the series go for forty thousand dollars a race, and Saturday begins the George Morton Levy. Six divisions, uh, first of their five prelim rounds, all uh, events in that race go for 50000 So uh, if, you're, uh, if you're a free-for-aller, uh, chances are you're going to be here. Now, obviously, the, the Blue Chip Matchmaker and the Levy uh, pretty much starts the Grand Circuit. I mean, it's a sign of springtime, most importantly. It's a sign of that warm weather is not too far away. It's a very, Both series are very, very exciting. Talk about some of the superstars that we can expect uh, good performances from in, uh, in both the Blue Chip Matchmaker and the Levy. Well, we have the defending champion uh, back again in, in Venus Delight, and as luck would have it, uh, the horse that she beat in the final last week, you go, last year, I should say, you're going to kiss me or not, uh, drew into the same division. We have three consecutive race divisions Friday, races uh, six through eight. Venus Delight, who makes her seasonal debut, uh, drew post two, and, and you're going to kiss me or not, uh, drew the inside. She has one start uh, down at Pompano to get her ready for uh, this series. And looking through the other divisions, I mean, the the usual suspects are back. Crispy Apple is always a player in, in, in this series. Uh, and any number of horses who've raced well here in our weekly open handicap are going to take a shot against uh, against the best mares. And it, it, it does wind up with uh, a very competitive five weeks of racing leading up to the final on April 23rd. And, and this, uh, again, does not take into account those that may have skipped round one and, and uh, jump into the series next Friday. Now, and, Frank, of course, uh, the pacing you... side. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, go right ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say the pacing side, of course, though, those that skipping round one are, include one Wiggle Jiggle It, who I know qualified uh, potently down at, at Dover uh, the other day and, and uh, was not ready to go here tomorrow night and, and would expect to see him in the box here for next week's round two. 
Yeah, after that qualifier, Frank, uh, he he really seemed to be back in uh, in, in top shape form. Obviously, uh, the usual suspects and foiled again is uh, back. And we talked to Ron Burke last week, and he said he's really coming back good. And uh, seems like he's just you know the same old healthy horse that he's always been. Uh, talk to us a little bit about foiled again. I knew he I know he drew well, and he drew into uh, a, a I hate to say not so tough class because all of these are tough. But uh, he drew well, and that could definitely play to his favor. No, he, this this is his mo. He's 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 qualified, you know, usually twice at the Meadowlands. He's begin his begun his season here, the last few seasons, and and uh, he he certainly uh, was not the horse last season that we're used to seeing uh, throughout this series. Uh, but I, I, how can you ever count them out? I actually did pick off of him in, in the uh, race uh, tomorrow. That's the fifth race. He lands post two. The horse for Jeff Baymont, Ideal Cowboy. Uh, just closed a ton last week in his in his seasonal debut, and I think the fact that he has the race under his belt makes him more of a player. Though you have last season's winner of this series, do me that again, who tripped out to win the final. If he if he wins this race tomorrow night, he won't be tripping out. He's he's uh, he's uh, landed post seven, so it's an intriguing group, and everybody looking at foiled again, of course, to see what uh, you know uh, what his twelve year old season is going to look like. And I, I I mean, even if he doesn't win, he never embarrasses himself. So. We're all curious to see what he has, and, and I would imagine that uh, he can only get better as the series moves forward. Uh, Frank, I got one more question for you. There's a horse that uh, that raced at Buffalo, and I'm trying. I'm looking through the program for him now. Uh, his name Fill Your Boots, and correct. It's a horse that is a what I would call an unusual suspect, and only reason I say that is because. Uh, when he was racing at Buffalo, he wasn't anywhere near the open class. It seems like he's really improved coming to Yonkers. Uh, do you think he's got a shot in his division at all? Do I think he has a shot from post seven? No. Um, okay. uh, I, he surprised me. He became a player in our weekly open handicap. I know that you get you, you go down past the charter lines to show up in the program. He was what an eight claimer at some point. Something and, like uh, that. Yeah. He he, he he certainly surprised me. Uh, uh, can he be a player in this series? I, I'm not going to write anybody off until I see what transpires in round one. But uh, he, he landed again outside post seven in the uh, in the third division. He's got uh, any number of of certainly uh, better horses, I think, inside of him. He's got the Santa Fe Beach Boy who rolled to the fastest mile of the season here last Sunday in, in an overnight race. He has Sunfire Blue Chip who who uh, Always is a player that we see. I mean, a Sapphire City who can leave the gate like a like a thoroughbred directly inside of him. So, um, I'm curious to see that. Uh, but again, you, it's it's a tremendous value for the uh, uh, for the horse. It's a five thousand dollar one time nominating fee, and and uh, it's a thousand per start to enter. And again, for the girls, it's it's an eight hundred dollar nominating fee, and and uh, oh, excuse me, a four thousand dollar nominating fee, and eight hundred a race to enter. So. And you're guaranteed to get it every week to race for, you know, certainly pretty serious money. So I, I, a lot of these things will give it uh, certainly one or two shots in the series, and, and it tends to shake out after that. Big weekend of racing coming up at Yonkers, uh, the blue chip matchmaker on Friday, followed by the uh, Levy series I, on Saturday. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention we have uh, the Sunday simulcast overseas to France, which has turned out to be quite popular on the other side of the Atlantic, and we have five of France's best drivers coming here Sunday in, in what uh, they've dubbed the Drivers' Cup. It's uh, it's a series of four races. There'll be two races here uh, Sunday uh, afternoon, races two and four, the mile and a quarter races with ten trotters, 
and then our five of our gentlemen go over to Vincennes for a couple of races in a couple of days in June. So that's uh, a little bit of a different look from what we usually present on the Sunday French card. There has certainly been an international uh, flavor and a purpose over the last couple of years, it seems, Frank. The Yonkers Raceway has really reached out and has done well in working uh, with uh, places overseas. And, you know, listen, it's been a niche. You guys have uh, tried it, and it seems like it's working. Talk a little bit about how that's going. Well, I, th- I think it's going it's going quite well. Obviously, the fact that we're racing Sunday afternoons here uh, has not necessarily been a boon to us uh, on the, on this side of the of the Atlantic, because people are creatures of habit. They're used to seeing us in the evening, and and uh, we we do better in the evening. But you know, we are you know invoking the phrase taking one for the team and trying to cultivate a, an overseas market, and and the French. Uh, uh, I've asked for certain things. They want, obviously, all trots. They want longer distance races, so we give them a mile and a quarter. And they want uh, at least uh, 10 horses. So we give them – we started with a couple of 12s and some 10s, but obviously with, with any number of tracks opening, it's a bit difficult to give them 12s. So uh, we give them seven 10-horse fields uh, for the most part, going a mile and a quarter. And, and, and uh, it's certainly been an adjustment for people who handicap our races. It's been an adjustment for our drivers, certainly. And, and it's, it's certainly something different to look at, which is, which is not the worst thing. Yonkers Publicity Director Frank Drucker. Frank, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Looking forward to all the big action coming up this weekend at Yonkers. Gentlemen, call back any time. I appreciate it. Thanks very much. All right. That was Frank Drucker from Yonkers Raceway. A lot of big action. And uh, speaking of big action, Mike, we uh, we have some more uh, numbers to draw out of a hat here, don't we? Yeah, we're uh, you uh, we're going to do an open draw. Uh, it's the Levy uh, post position draw. And I'm typing it into Periscope now. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna enter the uh, um, there we go. So those of you who are watching on Periscope right now, uh, you can see me. Uh, again, we are uh, live on Periscope. We're gonna do the post position draw. And how this is gonna work is we're going to pull a race from Saturday out of the box. Uh, here we've got all six divisions with race numbers here that we're going to draw out of the box, and uh, we're gonna. Look at the program. You're going to get assigned a post position based on the uh, post position you draw, and you also get a horse to go with that. And uh, we're going to again, it's an open draw. Mike, are you back with us? Or are you still screening? I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I've got my pen in hand, and it uh, writes very very well. So whenever you're ready, fire away. All right. Well, I guess people don't want to see my blank computer screen. <laughs> All right. So here is the where you're going to pick race number seven from Yonkers. It'll be race seven. Race It'll be the seven. fourth division of the matchmaker, and it does not include. Excuse me, does not include foiled again or anybody, but it does include Polak A, who has been racing very well at Yonkers. So we're going to flip the camera around. I'm going to put the all seven names right here into the box. Here is the post positions, and we're going to do it just like uh, just like they would at a racetrack. Mike, you got it one through seven over there. One through seven. There you go. Let's do it. All right, Janelle Skurbik, post four. Uh, post four is Better Rock N, driven by George Brennan. The red hot trainer Andrew Harris. So uh, Janelle gets a good uh, good horse. Definitely. Uh, we got Whitney Nasimos is up next, and she's going to draw. The rail. 
for Mock It So for trainer Jeffrey Bamond and Tim Tietrich making their first start of the year. The next name we're going to draw is Jean-Paul Lavalie. And they draw post six for Mackerlane for trainer Darian Cesar and driver Matt Kelly. That'll A little be bit tough. of an outside shot from the outside, but that's, you know yep. what? I've seen crazier things happen. Uh, we've got Rick Olson, who draws post number three. Uh, Rick Olson and Roland and Rock for trainer Rob Our Harmon. Our good friend Robbie Harmon. Today. Robbie Harmon, the trainer. 25 of 41 in the win column. High percentage winner, but uh, it's a tough group. Definitely. The next up is Randy Lee, and Randy Lee draws post two, 45 red for trainer uh, Ricky Bucci and driver Brent Holland. Now, Polak A is still left, so this is going to be interesting to see uh, who gets Polak. It's either the five or the seven, so you're either going to have a favorite or you're going to have a a 100-to-1 shot. (laughs) Randy Williams is next, and I bet you Randy is hoping I pick post five. And we've got – look at that. And these are flipped over just so everybody's aware so that no, I can't see them. Post number five for Randy Williams. He'll get Polak A, trainer Tony O'Sullivan for driver Brian Sears. And the last name to draw will be Kathy Sizer, and she gets post number seven. So Kathy Sizer gets post seven, Northview punter for trainer William Adamczyk and driver Tyler Buter. What we'll do later on is we'll release a press release with all of the names and post positions uh, that we have drawn here today. We're going to take a short, short commercial break. When we come back, Mike, we've got uh, Gary Seibel coming on the program. That's coming up next on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Friends of Maryland Standard Breads. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations. Racehorse Adoption Program. We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Bozich, Mike Carter. We're joined now by Harness Racing Hall of Fame broadcaster, also the simulcast host and track announcer of Cal Expo in Sacramento, California, Gary Seibel. Gary, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. No, oh, Mike, my pleasure. I'm here uh, talking to you guys and also keeping one eye on the, the Duke-UNC-Wilmington game here, although Duke is starting to draw away. I'm a huge uh, college basketball fan, so obviously me and many others are in our glory right now. Oh, absolutely. You've got 64 teams. There's always plenty of upsets, especially in the first round. Give us a dark horse, Gary. Who, who, give us like a, a five-seater lower that has a chance to make the final four, you think? 
Uh, all right, how about this? I'm going to be a homer. Uh, how about Syracuse? They just – and a lot of people felt they shouldn't even have made it in. But uh, they're my that's my alma mater. So, uh, And they also happen to be an underdog and a big one this year. So uh, I guess uh, rooting for the home team and uh, going with my school, I'll give you that. But, I, you know, there are some other teams in here that are playing really well. Um, Right now, uh, Duke is starting to draw away from uh, UNC Wilmington. But I, I think uh, there's a couple teams that uh, really have a, a decent shot. Uh, you know, it's hard to look past the, uh, the the powerhouses, and I don't even include Duke in there because, uh, you know, they're not what they used to be. But, you, uh, you know, University of North Carolina is so extremely good. I mean, uh, maybe, and, and possibly as a dark horse because – they're not considered, uh, you know, certainly in the top five or so would be uh, University of Kentucky. I know my friend Gordon Waterstone uh, would be real happy with that as far as that. But two teams that really uh, are playing an underdog role this year in Kentucky and Syracuse. So Nothing, I'll tell you, there's nothing like March Madness. You've got 64 teams, and although you've got your powerhouses and you have them every year, it seems like once you get them on the court, anything can happen. I think that's what makes the NCAA tournament so great. But speaking of great, Gary, I mean, you continue to have just a tremendous career. Uh, the voice of the Hamiltonian, uh, the national broadcast, has been doing that for a number of years. Take us uh, a little bit through the portfolio of Gary Seibel. How'd you get started in the industry, and then kind of take us through the uh, the uh, years, so to speak? Well, how I got started in racing, and specifically harness racing in this case, which also allowed me to branch out to uh, a lot of thoroughbred stuff over the years. Um, you know, I'd grown up in New York City and having a dad that was, uh, you know, enjoyed uh, going to the races, uh, playing a little bit. He and his buddies uh, would uh, go at night, you know, to Yonkers and Roosevelt uh, back in the glory days uh, of those two tracks. And um, and that's where, you know, that that was my fo- first exposure to harness racing. And, you know, when I was a teenager and growing up and, and you know, uh, my set of friends uh, were also uh, racetrack enthusiasts. And we would uh, go primarily to Yonkers because for those of us that grew up in the Bronx, that was uh, certainly closer than Roosevelt. But I know that we always enjoyed the Roosevelt experience. But my exposure... As many of us New Yorkers, we're, we're family-related through our dads, uh, through our families, uncles, whatever, cousins, uh, and that's the case for me. I mean, even take a guy like Jeff Gorel, uh, you know, he and I, uh, with a, a similar New York background, um, uh, that's how he got started as well, and that's where he used to go as a young man uh, growing up around racing, and particularly harness racing, was in the metropolitan New York area, and that's where we uh, got exposed to it. Um, my dad, if he if he were to pick the, one of the two, he he would definitely call himself a thoroughbred guy first. So uh, during the afternoons, we would go to Aqueduct, Belmont, um, you know, from time to time during the summer months to Saratoga. But I was usually away at summer camp so he and my mom would uh, and their friends would head up to saratoga for a weekend of racing up there so when you grew up in new york back in those times um and you were into that kind of thing that's where you went and that's where i went uh however never in my wildest dreams did i think that that would in any way shape or form be a part of my career profession lifelong profession but uh, I was very fortunate in, in getting to combine two things that I absolutely love, which is, uh, you know, racing, horse racing, and uh, broadcasting. I went to 
Syracuse University uh, for, uh, you know, journalism, communications. I went to the Newhouse School up there and got a really good education. A lot of, you know, fine folks have come out of that school uh, before me and since. And uh, it all seemed to fall together. I mean, uh, it was coincidental back in mid-1978 that I moved to Florida from upstate New York. I had a job, my first uh, real job out of college was uh, at a radio station on the Canadian border in in Ogdensburg, New York, WSLB. Uh, three and a half years uh, and three or four winters up there were enough to convince me to get the heck out, move down to sunny South Florida where I had relatives, and uh, I just picked up the paper one day and looked at the uh, selections for Pompano Park, and there, lo and behold, was the name of a friend of mine that I had actually known since the third grade. Uh name is Jerry Glantz. He, he you know, may be the fam- uh, familiar to some, um, and a lot actually out there, and I saw his name in the paper as making these selections for Pompano, and I said, geez, I, that's got to be the same Jerry Glantz I grew up with, but, you know, in, in New York, and sure enough it was, and one thing led to another, and Jerry didn't want to do the summer quarter horse meet, uh, was just a harness guy, and I wound up announcing there, never, ha- never having called a race before, and uh, the GM gave me a, a shot at it, and um, as they say, the rest is... <laughs> It's been a long, as as, as uh, the Grateful Dead used to sing, lately it occurs to me what a long, strange trip it's been. And that's that's pretty much it. But I, I've got to combine two things that I really love, horse racing and, and broadcasting. So it's 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 been all good, you know. Well, Gary, uh, I, I know the feeling of the snow in New York because I was at Buffalo for a couple of years. Uh, when I moved <laughs> to Cleveland, I didn't move that far away from the snow, but it definitely is, uh, definitely is better on this side of the uh, – on this side of the uh, water, so to speak. Well, Gary, you, you've done a lot of great things, and I've had the pleasure of meeting you not once but twice at the Jug, yep. uh, including yep. last year when we uh, yep. when we saw probably one of the greatest racehorses of all time, uh, Wiggle It, Jiggle It, uh, take on uh, Lost for Words. Ta- talk to me a little bit about that race. I know being on CBS and trying to – I don't want to say harness your emotions, but I, I mean, it took everything I had not to like jump up and down in the winter circle. Uh, talk to me a little bit about what that little brown jug was like for you. Well, you know, it's funny, Mike, that you should mention that uh, <clears throat> harnessing the emotions, because I, I remember distinctly right after the race was over, I felt myself pausing for a second and maybe it was subconscious, but I thought to myself, you know, you're going to, I thought at that very instant, I thought to myself, you know, you're going to get emotional here. And then I thought that's okay. Cause this race is deserving of that. And I, I, you could probably tell it in my voice, but I, I know that I said basically uh, something to the effect that, you know, I've been in this business for over 30 years and I have to say that that was one of the most incredible races I have ever seen and I and I you know and I could tell just by the emotion coming out of me that uh, you know I was hoping that would come across that was a pretty big statement to make but it was absolutely 100% true I mean one of the greatest races in the history of the sport um certainly up there you know on Hamiltonian status level for the pacing side uh and I just thought it was okay to almost sound a little bit like 
you know, a, a Homer in the bleachers getting all emotional about it, but because that's the kind of race that it was. I mean, how many people really, and I thought, you know, that'll be okay. It, it, nobody's going to, like, take exception to getting um, that excited about it because it was. It, if you don't get excited about a race like that, what kind of race do you get excited about? So that's right. I felt the same way you did, Mike. I, honest to God, I felt the same way, and I felt at that moment it was deserving of that type of hype. Gary Seibel joining us, uh, the simulcast host and track announcer at Cal Expo, also the really the voice of harness racing uh, on the national TV and the national broadcast for quite a number of years now. Gary, talk to us a little bit about some of the challenges uh, of broadcasting on TV. Now, it's a little bit different than track announcing because, you know, you've got an earpiece, you've got people talking in your ear, you've got a lot of different things going on, uh, you know, a lot of different preparations, a lot of different things you have to prepare for. Talk a little bit about the challenges of, of broadcasting on live TV. Well, let me tell you this, just to give you some idea for, you know, the way I feel about it is um, I know for a fact, uh, and I hope this is true uh, because otherwise it would be uh, something that was uh, very unrehearsed. Uh, I will never skydive. I will never jump out of an airplane. I know myself, and that's not going to happen. I will not do that voluntarily. Um, I get a huge adrenaline rush from doing live television. Um, I'm not comparing the two. I, I might actually have a heart attack if I actually jumped out of an airplane voluntarily, but um, I, 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 there's a huge adrenaline rush. I, I can't begin to tell you how focused you get. And if you enjoy doing it, some people, uh, that would actually give them a heart attack. Uh, if you enjoy doing that kind of thing and having that kind of pressure on you, um, then, you know, that's – and I do. I mean, I, I relish that stuff. I, I kind of live for that. Uh, when the director, the, when the producer says – all right, fellas, you know, we're going live coast to coast, uh, 60 seconds, a minute, 30 seconds, whatever it is. Um, if that doesn't get the adrenaline flowing, I don't know what does. And at the beginning, Mike, a long, long time ago, when I started doing this stuff for Sports Channel America, I don't even know if they exist anymore. I don't think they do. Um, uh, and then ESPN following that, that back in the 80s, um, that – there was more uh, nervousness uh, because it was new when I was young and I wanted to, you know, uh, make a good impression and I wanted my career to continue along those lines uh, as you get uh, more comfortable and seasoned professionally, that that nervousness really turns to a, more to a, to a positive thing where it's like more like, all right, Good. Let's bring it on. We're ready. We're sharp. We're focused. We're ready to go. And it's when you reach that stage that I think you really get to appreciate uh, doing that kind of work. And, and admittedly, at the beginning, <clears throat> you know, there were a lot of, uh, you know, pitted out dress shirts and, and sweaty palms and stuff like that. But, you know, hopefully after a while, and then particularly when you realize that, you know, your work is appreciated, accepted, uh, liked. Uh, that That's a really cool place to be. After that, it just becomes a fun uh, situation um, where, like last year's jug, I mean, Dave Brower and I had such fun over there. It's not even funny. We do the handboat. We have an incredible amount of fun. We work together. So that's what it is. And then doing it for a sport like harness racing, which obviously, you know, back in the 50s and 60s used to 
be mainstream, but not really so much the case anymore. It's just nice to be able to present our sport, you know, your guys, you know, you too, for you guys. It's nice to present it and be the person responsible for presenting it in a really positive way. I mean, I, I hope that the, my enthusiasm and love and passion for harness racing comes through in my voice and my presentation when I do the show, because I want, I really, really want to do well for the industry, and I want to present the industry in a, in a, you know, in a positive light. At least on this particular day, we all know that there's bad stuff, and there's bad stuff in every walk of life and industry. But on, on these particular days, I think it's really all about the positivity and what we have to offer. And I think last year's jug was a perfect example of that. So. Um, you know, doing television is something I love uh, and have loved over the years, and I've been fortunate to get an opportunity to do it for, you know, the the national networks, uh, CBS, uh, probably the the longest run, NBC for five years, working for ESPN all those years, uh, TVG. I mean, don't let's not forget TVG. I was in everybody's living room five nights a week with Drive Time. So. All that stuff has been really, really important to me, and I'm I'm just glad I've been able to, you know, in my mind, present a you know a positive front for for harness racing and horse racing in general. Now, Gary, uh, you talk about the nervousness. I tell you, I still get nervous getting ready to go call the races. I still get it nervous, almost nervous doing this show. Uh, how how do you how do you I don't want to say how do you talk yourself out of it, but what is, is there anything that you do to prepare maybe more so? when those nervous feelings do come on and when you get ready to call a race, uh, do you do a whole lot of prep work or is it just kind of, Hey, let's go up and uh, memorize the program and see what happens. No, I, you know, like uh, hopefully most people, Mike, I, you know, look over the program, uh, the races, see who's racing, you know, who's in each race. Uh, You know, um, I, I, I've always, you know, prided myself on the ability to know the horses and, um, not have to rely really on on uh, anything other than my memory to call a race. Uh, you know, uh, we all look at the field. I, I've been very fortunate that I've I've been able to memorize that field and not have to look away, so I can always keep my uh, my sight on on what's going on out on the racetrack. Um, like I said, I mean, it, it it becomes just more of a natural thing. I think more, and particularly when you're handicapping the races, as we do, you know, for our pick four segment, Dave and I and other races, I at least give all the races a look over. But when it comes to handicapping the pick four, obviously you get much deeper into those races. Um, I, I don't know. I think a lot of that stuff just comes naturally. Do I get nervous for races anymore? Not really, but I'll tell you what. If I, for some reason, was calling a Hamiltonian or the Little Brown Jug, uh, yeah, I would get you know nervous again. But at this stage of my life and my career, I think it would all be positive, positive energy. But I, I, I definitely believe, as a younger person as you are, and you know you're trying to you know establish yourself and build a nice um, reputation in the industry that. Uh, there are situations that lend themselves to being a little bit nervous, but I, I think that's a good thing. I think it's when you become complacent that um, that's when you're, you know, you're going to uh, falter and make mistakes. So I don't let myself do that, but I think most of the energy now uh, particularly is, is all positive. And I got to tell you, Mike, regarding uh, earlier on in my career, when there were situations where I'd be nervous, you know, uh, I, I'd say to myself, and honestly, I, I'm not kidding. I'd say to myself, 
Uh, and these were usually before the bigger shows, like the Hamiltonian uh, for CBS. And um, there were years where I was working with somebody that really did. They were all great broadcasters, Gus Johnson, Mike Joy, Andrea Joyce, um, who am I leaving out here? Uh, Vern Lundquist, of course. Vern is such a sweet man. He's such a great guy. Uh, but they didn't know anything about harness racing, and they knew that, and they depended on me. And here I was doing the Hamiltonian, not on CBS Sports Network, but on the mothership, CBS Sports. And I knew that I was the guy. I knew that I was the guy that the industry depended on to to provide information, try to do it in the best light possible, hope for a good day, hope for an exciting day. Um, I would tell myself as I'm preparing and feeling underprepared, which was always something I'd stay up like, you know, way past uh, what should have been bedtime and just by, you know, in the hotel room and, you know, trying to get ready and, try, you know, I didn't feel prepared enough, got to do more, got to do more. I would tell myself, you know what, if you screw up really bad tomorrow and they don't have you back anymore, it's been a good run. And that's kind of what I would tell myself, and it worked. Because I'd say, you know what, you've done like 10 years already of, of what they consider to be really good work. The industry has been positive about it, CBS or NBC has been positive about it, all that kind of stuff. So if you have a really bad show tomorrow and they so bad that they don't, they ask you not, they you know don't ask you back, it's been a really good run. You've had a good time, and believe it or not, that used to work for me from time to time. <clears throat> there was. Uh, the two to three years, I can't even remember, that I was the play-by-play guy for the Pro Bowler Store. Now I was a little bit out of my element. And I'll never forget, I will never forget as long as I live, standing there, uh, on one of the, uh, you know, standing there on the approach in Akron, Ohio, the home of, you know, Pro Bowlers, uh, the Pro Bowlers Tour, and taking over the first year that we took over for Chris Schenkel and its 36-year run on ABC, and I wish I could have been anywhere else and been anyone else other than myself. But you know what? I made it through that that opening stand-up, standing there live live on CBS with all eyes, at least in the bowling world, <clears throat> on me and making it through. I mean, you know, that's the way... That's the way it works. There's no substitute for going through that. I mean, you know, if you ever get yourself, either one of you guys, in that position, uh, there is no substitute for it. You, you know, because in the, at the end, the end of the day, you're standing there by yourself. You've got to perform, and it's just the way it is, you know, and it worked out for a couple of years. I mean, I, I got some good feedback, particularly from the network. You want to be appreciated by your peers but you certainly want to be appreciated by the people that are that are paying you so i mean you know it is what it is i i enjoy the work and i think uh i hope over over the years it's kind of come through and i i i I just you know want to be considered a you know a professional broadcaster and i think that's worked out for me so i'm i'm happy about all that stuff it's it's all been good yeah, baptism by fire. I remember in the start of my radio career, the first thing I had to do, and I'm thinking, oh, I get to get to do a because I started in high school sports. Oh, I get to do a high school football game or a high school basketball game. Nope, my first assignment was high school soccer, and I don't think I ever watched a full soccer game up until that point. So it was certainly crazy. But you talk about baptism by fire, and you know it was crazy, Gary, because a lot of the uh, the players actually. You know, they give you a roster, and a lot of the players, actually, there were their roster numbers, half of them didn't even match up to who they were. 
So it was, uh, you know, like you say, you just got to get out there and perform. Fast forwarding a little bit, Gary, of course, you're at Cal Expo now. Uh, You guys are doing great work out there. You and uh, Dave Brower, who we just had on the show last week, uh, not only do you guys do, of course, the National Hamiltonian broadcast and a little brown jug, but you guys do a little bit of a Skype thing when you guys talk about the pick four. Talk a little bit about how that came about and the success uh, that's had. Well, you know what? Um, Chris Schick and Ben Kenny, the two guys basically that are Golden Bear Racing that operate uh, the racing meet at Cal Expo for Watch and Wager, um, they're 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 doing a great job. I mean, you know, I'm sure both of you are. I know both of you are aware of the state of you know racing in California, harness racing in California, and racing in general. Chris, you know, had that idea. Chris is really, really sharp. Um, he's, you know, not only great when it comes to the wagering aspects and how to position his races in amongst all the other tons of races out there at the same time. Not a, he, he's, a, he's like an artist at that. But he also is willing to, you know, take a chance, spend some money, and, and um, you know, try to get interest in Cal Expo, uh, you know, uh, going. And that's what he did uh, with this pick four handicapping segment. And, um, you know, I, I, between Dave's uh, mastering of uh, the social media and the fact that he and I work together, have a, a national reputation in the sport, not only of doing the Hamiltonian and Jug shows, uh, but also all the years that he worked at the Meadowlands and I was at TVG, and we would do a similar type of uh, set up uh, each night during drive time, uh, the show drive time. Um, we have kind of, uh, you know, just got, gotten into a really comfortable spot where people enjoy our banter and back and forth stuff and our rapport and our chemistry and our friendship because that's really what it is. We're friends and we're colleagues and we've worked together a long time, so we, we know each other's styles and stuff. And it's all about generating interest in Cal Expo racing, and I think we've done it. Don't forget, I mean, we've got some natural built-in things going for us. Mile track racing, which everybody loves to wager on, uh, where, you know, in the evening, later than all the signals back east, uh, you know, um, which gives people a, a nighttime opportunity um, and the, the racing is is competitive. I mean, it's is it you know, the caliber of like, you know, Pocono Downs during their season, you know, during the height of the season or, you know, any any of a number of tracks back east, no. But it's competitive, and I think really that's what betters want. I mean, yeah, it's great to watch great racing, the foiled again, you know, foiled again coming back and just all the great stuff. We don't have access to that, but what we do have access to is uh, Robin Shatt uh, doing a great job uh, putting together the racing programs for what we have to work with. I mean, you know, we're an island out here. There, there's nothing around as far as harness racing is concerned, unless you go north of the border, and we do get Canadians coming down from British Columbia. Uh, or, I mean, you know, you have to go back to the Midwest. I mean, Minnesota is where we draw from. We're trying to set up a circuit uh, that would include uh, Minnesota and us and uh, possibly another track in the mix that's that kind of stuff has, you know, been in, in, in talks lately. Uh, but it's a hard thing out there because we, we don't have access to a lot of horses. The horses that ship out are there. And if a sickness goes through the barn area, we're going to be in trouble like it has happened in the past. 
But I will tell you this. The horsemen are sincere. Management is, is sincere. All the employees, the staff, very sincere about keeping harness racing alive in the Golden State. And that's all you can ask for. Um, is it perfect? No. Are we struggling? Yes. Uh, is it still alive? Yeah. You know, it could have ended a few years ago before Watch and Wager. They actually put billboards up. Uh, on the highway, you know, anybody interested in operating a harness meet called so-and-so. You know, I mean, that's how that's how desperate they were at the time. And and thank goodness Watch and Wager came along. And thank goodness they they had the insight to, to, to you know, hire the guys at Golden Bear Racing, Chris and Ben. And you know what? Here we are, like, uh, almost five years later, uh, and we're still alive. And I'm happy to be a part of that because... You know, um, there, there's a lot of places that are slot-fueled now, and I get it and I understand it, and thank God for that, because they wouldn't be around if they weren't, probably. But we, we don't have that option, so we have to do it the, uh, you know, the, the only way we can, and that's what we're trying to do, and it's working. And, and the Pick 4 segment just adds to the interest. I mean, Dave's mastery of, the, of Twitter and getting the, the, that information out is far beyond my, you know, experience with that. So uh, it's worked, and there's a lot of people that have shown a lot of interest, and we're very, very happy for that. All right, Gary Seibel, the voice of uh, Cal Expo, the voice of the Hambletonian, Little Brown Jug on a national level. We certainly appreciate you joining us. It was a fantastic interview. Best of luck until uh, you moving forward, and, of course, we'll be watching you. Well, Mike and Mike, you two guys are the, you know, the younger, newer generation. This is, you know, your ball now. You're doing a great job. And by the way, Mike Carter, you're doing a great job in your announcement. You know, you've, you've wanted to do it. You know, you, that was your desire. You're doing it. Mike Bozich, you, you know, I, I met you up in the booth at Cal Expo. Uh, you are now, you know, kicking butt back east. That's awesome. You guys are the ones carrying the torch from, from here on in, you know, whatever time I got left to, you know, be a part of the, you know, um, the the exposure of harness racing, I'm happy for it. But you guys understand that you're the next, you're the new generation, and you're doing a great job now, and keep up the good work. Well, I certainly appreciate it, Gary. Gary. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. All right, that was uh, Gary Seibel. We'll let him get back to some college basketball. I forgot he was a big college basketball fan, and uh, Mark. Madness opened up today, so we're certainly appreciative of Gary stepping away from that for a few minutes to join us on this program. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Mike, we're in a little bit of overtime. We're going to take a very small commercial break. When we come back, we're going to touch on the Levy and Blue Chip Matchmaker one more time. Uh, We're going to touch on our GoFundMe page one more time. And uh, we'll have uh, Mike Bozich go down the post position draw one more time of those who are in our Matchmaker, excuse me, in our Levy contest. We'll be right back here at Post Time with Mike and Mike. This is Mike Bozich with Harness Racing's newest podcast, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Our goal is to positively promote the sport of harness racing. Every horse has a story to tell, whether a claimer or a stake source, and we plan on telling those stories here on this program. If you would like to advertise on Post Time with Mike and Mike, Send us an email at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com for more information. Also, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at ptmikeandmike1. Listen to a brand new broadcast every Thursday at 1 p.m. Any prior episodes can be listened on demand as well. 
Log on to www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash PT Mike and Mike. Once again, that's www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash PT Mike and Mike. And thanks so much for listening. Welcome back to Post Tower with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich, and we're getting ready to close out the show here. It's Post Time with Mike and Mike. Uh, real quick, we're going to touch on our GoFundMe page, and uh, we certainly appreciate everybody who's taken time out of their schedule to donate to the fund for the South Florida Training Center fire. We are uh, just under $30,000. We're $29,685. And uh, again, we are so, so thankful, Mike Bozich, that these uh, that these people have uh, helped us get to this uh, level. Yeah, very touching situation, what happened down in Florida. Uh, and it seems like barn fires are uh, happening a little bit uh, too often. But uh, it's good to see the harness racing industry get together. Uh, right now, we're right at about the $30,000 mark. We're going to keep it up there, what, probably for another week or so, Mike, maybe a little bit longer. Uh, give you time to get your donations in. And uh, any any amount that you can give would be great. I mean, a dollar, five bucks, three bucks, whatever you can do, uh, you know, it would be a, a great thing for you. And uh, it's great to see the industry get together mike and uh, support the cause yeah definitely well mike the levy series coming up this weekend uh obviously in the matchmaker with you're gonna kiss me or not uh the the levy series really uh has come together well foiled again is there uh, i would expect to see wiggle and jiggle it uh starting next week it's going to be a fun series to watch yeah, it certainly will be. We went over the first division a little bit. Let's uh, let's just briefly touch on some of the other divisions. Race, uh, uh, let's see. We uh, race seven was actually our draw race, the race that we drawn. We'll announce those post positions for our contest once again in just a minute. For those of you that just joined us, we went over the fourth race with Tank It Back Terry and Scott Rocks. Uh, in the fifth race, uh, another field of seven. They're all field of sevens, and of course that's the great foiled again race. He'll have to do battle with uh, Doctor Butch foiled again, the richest uh, pacer at a couple of qualifiers. Both. Very good qualifiers, 51-3 and three in his last qualifier back on the 5th of March. Uh, the most important thing here, though, and Ron Burke alerted to this last week, is going to be the draws for Foiled again. I mean, he's, you know, he's harness racing's uh, richest pacer, but, uh, you know, out, outpacing age is certainly tough to do. He's been able to do it to this point. But at this point in his career, Mike, Foiled again is going to need to draw relatively well to be a factor. And in the first leg, he certainly did that, first division. Yeah, he definitely uh, drew very well. Foiled again did. Of course, I mentioned earlier, fill your boots, who draws in against, uh, I don't want to, again, I don't want to call any of these divisions easy, but against one of the easier divisions, um, he was selected as the five to one third choice. And then, you know, you have Mocket So, which is in the uh, race where we have selected. Rolling in Rock looks like another interesting choice. And of course, you have Polak A, and that was my choice, Mike, in the, uh, in the Hannah handicapping contest for uh, that I'm playing for for new vocation. 
Yeah, and of course, Ron Burke has a, a quite a contingent. You know, you brought up a horse by the name of Market So he's in the seventh race, the fourth division uh, on Saturday. This is a horse making his 2016 debut. Uh, made $640,000, of course, a million-dollar pacer. Had a chance to watch him at Harris, Philadelphia quite a bit. Was always in the open ranks, always either just missing or winning. And uh, coming off a of back-to-back qualifiers, uh, draws the rail. Tim Tietrich's back in the bike here. So obviously, Market So is certainly uh, going to be uh, a presence. I think in that uh, particular series, but uh, I mean, just some great, great horses. It's one of my favorites. You've got uh, a horse that I watched race limelight beach, a million dollar pacer. I watched him race at the Meadowlands last time. I kind of got roughed up, had to leave from post seven was parked out and uh, tired a little bit uh, late, even though he closed in 26 and four. I'd like a, to call a horse tired when he's closing at 26 and four. So I think the uh, small track will definitely uh, help him out. And of course you've got pH super cam who's out there from post seven uh, in that particular race. So uh, all bets off, another Ron Burke contingent, another million-dollar pacer. He's in the sixth division in race 10, starting from post five. He's coming off a victory as well, making his third start uh, of the 2016 campaign. So, uh, And another horse I want to mention, Mike, Steve Elliott, somewhere in L.A., who beat Foiled again in a qualifier back on February 26th. Uh, another horse that uh, could play a factor in this thing. Uh, was uh, doing fantastic things in that four-year-old open. A horse, I think, that's got a lot of ability. So we'll have to see what somewhere in L.A. does. Just a lot of great horses in this Levy series. And it is the start of the Grand Circuit, which means we're getting ready to rumble here in this 2016 uh, racing season, Mike. And I can't wait for it. Yeah, definitely. Lots of great racing coming up. And, uh, you know, Obviously, we're going to focus on the Grand Circuit, but we're going to focus on some of the smaller races as well. Uh, it's going to be an interesting, interesting stake season. Uh, well, Mike, real quick before we, uh, before we take off, do you want to go over the post positions one more time for the Levy Contest? It'll be race number cool. seven for those of you who, didn't, uh, who missed the draw earlier. It's going to be race seven. It's a field of seven, and it's the fourth division of the Levy. That's right. It's race number seven. It is, uh, like you said, the fourth division of the Levy. And once again, real quick, uh, you have to re-enter. So if you didn't get selected in the field of seven this week, re-enter for next week. We'll do this all the way into the finals. And then uh, and there's five legs. And then, of course, the finals will uh, have the five names. Everybody, if you make it to the finals, you're going to get a consolation prize. Uh, and the grand prize, of course, if you manage to win the finals, as uh, the uh, set of Yannick Shingra colors uh, with helmet included. But anyway, here's the post position draw. It's uh, Wendy Nisimo starting from post one. Randy Lee will get post two. Rick Olson will get post three. Uh, Janelle Skobik gets post four. Randy Williams post five. Uh, Jean-Paul Levesque from post six. And Kathy Sizer from post seven. So there you have it. The field is set. We'll uh, keep everybody up to date on social media. Make sure you like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. And, of course, we just – opened our brand new website, Mike. So log on to that for all the information, www.posttimewithmikeandmike.com. We'll have contest information. We'll have updates uh, on the contest as it progresses. And one more thing, Mike, before we let you go, we do have another contest going on. Uh, if you share our website and make sure you do it, we've got a, a permanent uh, attached uh, link on our Twitter, uh, as well as our Facebook. If you share our website, uh, on your own page, then you're going to be eligible for a drawing that we're going to do next week. We're going to give away a Tim Tietrich bobblehead. So all you have to do is share our website onto your social media page, make people aware and get the word out. You'll automatically be entered into a drawing for a Tim Tietrich bobblehead. And we're going to do that next week on this program and post time with Mike and Mike. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And 
I, I tell you, a lot, a lot of great things coming up. We've got a lot of great ideas for contest. And listen, we've, we're, we're working on something. We can't say what it is just yet towards the end of the uh, live racing season, towards the end of the year. We can't really say what it is just yet. But, uh, Mike, we've got some uh, post time is definitely going to be uh, in some exciting places, and we're going to be covering some exciting events. Yeah, certainly. We want to thank all our guests for joining us today. Anthony Napolitano, Frank Trucker, Gary Seibel, Steve Wolf taking time out of his uh, busy day to update us on the barn fire. And uh, Mike, I think that's a wrap. Yeah, definitely. Well, we appreciate everybody sticking around. We know we're about 20 minutes over our regularly scheduled time, but we certainly appreciate everybody for sticking around. We'll see you next week on Post Time with Mike and Mike.